Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features Jennifer Inden, RCHC's Health Information Technology Project Manager. She is joined by three different health center representatives who will explore the different facets of realizing a successful patient portal. Jennifer will get us started by providing some basic information on patient portals, and then she will introduce our health center guests. Here's Jennifer. Thank you so much, Kelly. Well, good morning and welcome everybody to a QI uh, chat room podcast talking about patient portals. Uh, which can offer really important benefits to patients and health center staff. Uh, for those who may be unfamiliar with what we mean when we say patient portal, it's a secure website or an app which patients can, amongst other things uh, and other functions, access certain health records, review lab results, and send messages uh, back and forth with their care team or their provider. For years, it's been acknowledged that the use of health information technologies and online resources has had great potential to boost care quality and increase patient engagement in their care, right? We want them involved. But despite the advantages to both patients and providers, adoption of patient portal use can be really slow on both sides. The COVID public health emergency has shown once again how important it is to have a way for patients and providers to communicate with each other during non or limited business hours in a way that's non face to face. So today I am so pleased that we're going to talk with three health centers who are addressing patient portal barriers in different ways. We have Heidi Garzo, who's an EMR training specialist with Petaluma and Ronit Park Health Centers, and she's going to talk about the importance of providing access via the proxy portal for children and adolescents. We have Jane Brown, Operations Manager at Humboldt IPA, talking about how they utilize the patient portal to streamline patient paperwork. And then we have Summer Penn, West County Health Center's Director of Information Technology, who will talk about leveraging the right patient education platform to add value and drive uh, traffic to the patient portal. And so I'd like to go ahead and kick off with Jane uh, from Humboldt. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start by sharing a little bit about uh, Humboldt IPA with us? Sure, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm actually part of the Priority Care Center, and we are kind of an offshoot of the Humboldt IPA. Uh, the Humboldt IPA has been around for a long time, and we've done a lot in the community with regard to uh, improvements, quality, quality um, improvements, et cetera. And the Priority Care Center 
uh, was formed about four years ago, and we serve about 15,000 patients. We have an integrated setting, including primary care, behavioral health, care coordination, um, acute care, medication-assisted treatment, and wellness coaching. Wow, that's amazing. And where are you located? Where are your locations? Oh, yes. And we're located in Humboldt County. We're about five hours north of the Bay Area. So we're really, really part of Northern California. (laughs) Yes, you are. Can you share with us a little bit about how you streamline patient paperwork and web enabling patients and what that looks like for you guys? Absolutely. So we are, we basically web enable every patient. As soon as they make an appointment, they're automatically web enabled. So they receive an email confirmation with the date and time of their appointment. And then they, of course, receive a link that also uh, has them go online to the portal and complete their new patient paperwork. And so we have it set up such that they complete their social, their medical, uh, their health histories, et cetera. And they do like assessments such as the PHQ-9 and the prepare. And then uh, the beauty of that is then that goes right into their chart. So we, we really talk that up when we're talking to the patients. We're saying we're no longer doing you know paper forms because we found that to be really redundant and trying to get re-enter that data ourselves into the system, whereas the patient entering it, it just goes a lot smoother. And, you know, even though I don't want to say this, but it is somewhat a little bit more accurate because you're doing your own chart. And it's been working really well for us thus far. We do some, we do have some tips for you that we'll talk about a little bit later, if you'd like, with regard to, you know, really encouraging them and and, um, letting them know if we don't get it, things like that. Absolutely. And what was the catalyst for making that decision to say no more paperwork? We're done with that. What was, uh, was there a specific thing that happened or uh, a time frame that you were looking at and said, now is the time that we need to take this stance? I think it was really just more about trying to become more efficient. Uh, but nothing really happened per se, except that we were spending a lot of time um, training or telling our patients to go to our website to print out the forms and then of course with HIPAA you can't really they want to email them I mean we could have done a whole secure setup but it was just we realized the value of just having them knowing that ECW had this capability we realized the value of just getting those out there online and having that data go directly into their chart so we just kind of made a group decision that this is what we're going to do now there are going to be situations you know probably about 15 to 20% of our patients are not able to complete them or they just, you know, we, they'll give us an email address and then they kind of struggle through it. So on rare occasions, and maybe 15% might be high, on rare occasions we will have them complete a packet, a paper packet, but it's, but it's pretty, pretty few and far between. Great. And when did that happen? When did you uh, start this process? Uh, it's been a couple of years now that we've been going, that we've gone live with the, the forms, the questionnaires. That's great. And overall, beyond though that small percentage of patients that have some tech issues, uh, right, or they are there in a tech desert, have you had much pushback from patients on this? No, we really haven't. Um, they seem to be pretty, I mean, it goes through pretty straightforward. They, I think they like the fact that they don't realize that our packet was six pages. So they're probably, they don't realize the value that they, they're probably saving themselves. It's funny, in the beginning, it was a little bit of a challenge to, because it was something new to encourage and really promote it to our patients. And then now we have uh, providers and staff in our morning huddle saying, hey, 
I don't have any paper. We didn't get any online um, notes, you know, because they like that chart scrub can take a lot of time. So they love the fact that they can go in there two days in advance or what have you, what have you, and just see the patient's reported conditions, medications, their histories, et cetera. So they, I'm feeling it's, it's, that's a good situation when the staff is now, you know, asking, where is this information? That's great. Have you guys put any sort of quantity on maybe time saved for, for providers and support staff on, on time previously spent doing those chart scrubs and finding that information and, and entering that data into the patient's chart? We're kind of estimating that it's at least a 30 to 45 minute, maybe even an hour lengthy or more lengthy visit because what we're, you know, with the chart scrub, what we're finding is that the MAs would spend a lot of time, medical assistants would spend a lot of time with the patient before the provider could even come into the room. So this gives the providers, they get into the room a lot quicker. And um, like I said, the MAs are saving that time with that manual enter, entry of the, of the data. That's amazing. And talking about your, your MAs as well as your front office and uh, avoiding that redundant data entry, what have you guys been able to do with that quote unquote freed up staff time? Well, I guess we could say that we're definitely spending more time with our patients or moving on to the other duties that are always going on with the front desk and the back office assistants and really just, you know, making the most out of working their telephone encounters or their callbacks, really just giving them, giving us more time with patient care and less time with, you know, forms and paperwork. We did create an automated template. Uh, we call it like the new patient paperwork template where whereby if we don't receive a message, or sorry, we don't get their online forms, we'll send them a little reminder that we need to get those and that if they aren't unable to complete those before their appointment, they should please arrive 45 minutes early because we estimate that it takes that much time to fill it out and then the MA has to take it and put it in the system. So a lot of times that's all they need to hear to get that paperwork completed. That's amazing. It's really nice that you're able to um, to put that time frame in front of the patients. They don't uh, a lot of times realize the time that it takes support staff and providers to put that information into the system so that they have accurate care. That's great. Uh, if we can backtrack for just a little bit, was it difficult initially when you set out to get the buy-in from your staff and from your patients? I would have to say the buy-in from the staff was less time than the patients because sometimes the patients were wanting to, you know, they're just so used to doing that paperwork. Um, so it didn't really take a lot of time. I think once they realized just kind of, it's all about, you know, words, we feel like words really matter. So it's all in how you phrase it. Like with our patients, we would explain to them that this is, you know, this is you, you all the information you're entering is going directly into your electronic health record. So we hope that that is valuable for you to actually, you know, uh, concisely put that in. And then we don't necessarily ask them if they want to use our portal. We'll say, you know, what's the best email for you to communicate with our practice? Because that is, we find that to be the most valuable and you can do this. You can send us messages anytime, day or night. So I think it's, it really helps to really phrase those, those statements or those questions for our patients. And then, like I said, the staff in the beginning, it may have been a little bit of a change because they had to, it was really just scripting. Cause once we got the scripts accurate, you know, with regard to you'll be receiving an email. And we also asked the patient, 
please complete this in the next 24 to 48 hours because we want them to do it while it's fresh in their mind. What happens, let's say we booked them two weeks out. We don't want to have that situation where we're, you know, they forget or they're waiting till the last minute to get it done. And that way we tell them this way, in case you have a, an acute need to be seen, you're able to, we have your chart already started and ready to go. So that seems to prompt them to really, you know, get, get engaged and get their, their um, answers to us. That's great. And I think we can all agree that uh, providing a specific request, time-based yes. request, always has a, the best outcome. Um, beyond that scripting and the wording, did you provide any specific training for your patients? Uh, training? Not really, because it's pretty intuitive. Once they go out to the site, we do give them a little bit of feedback, like the one thing that when they're in the portal, they go to the link on the left that says questionnaires. Other than that, that was kind of as far as we had to go. Okay. Now with the staff, I really, we really encourage our team to web enable themselves, uh, make themselves an appointment, answer the questions online so they can really um, answer the questions for the patients if the, those calls come in or you know they're just curious about something that maybe how to get to it. But really it's all about staff, empowering the staff to know how to do it and to really promote it as well. That's great. What uh, were some of the roadblocks or barriers that you found from patients and staff? And how did you address those? What were your solutions? Probably the biggest barrier might be that, the, you know, maybe they just didn't get it done. They didn't have time to get it done. And that, that was solved with our template where we just have this little phrase that says, please come in 45 minutes early so that we can get your chart, you know, ready or what have you. Um, so that helped that barrier. Um, as far as staffing barriers, I think it's just change is hard. So initially it was like, oh no, now what are we, now what are we having to do differently? But once we, once they saw the value of, and the time savings on their side, because even like pharmacy information is entered, um, emergency contact is entered by the patient. I mean, think about that. That is like, a lot of valuable information that maybe we forget to get at the front desk or they they leave and shoot we didn't get their pharmacy so i think you know once that learning curve it came about and then they saw now they're like i said now they're really concerned if it's not there the patient hasn't completed their their part so that's great how long do you estimate that it took you guys from your your first implementation your first rollout of this process to it really taking off and letting it fly do you do you estimate that that time frame was oh it wasn't long at all once we got that going and once everybody got the word out we we basically removed our the link on our website so that was one you know to to for the forms we took that off i just said good news now we're and there's a link to our patient portal on the website now you can do those online so you know that it, I would say maximum two weeks to literally just you know start this as their new process and then just take away those those old you know old links that will prevent that from happening you know great and if you could identify your top two or three lessons learned from your from your process uh, what would those be let's see probably that um, really taking the time to spend the time with your staff to go through the whole process you know really just block some time and just say here's you know because when you go to import you have to make sure you hit the import button versus you know just little tidbits with ecw and 
so really taking the time out to just walk through that process so you don't don't have the risk of not being able to import it because you maybe hit the wrong button for example other lessons learned again just the words matter and being really upfront and giving the patients the the good you know the why we're doing this and why how, how it's going to help them by having our them enter their own data and having it go directly into the chart great well, thank you so very much. And uh, now that Jane has covered adult access to the patient portal, let's move on to Heidi at Petaluma and Rona Park Health Centers and talk about getting children and adolescents onto the portal too. Hi, Heidi, thanks for joining us this morning. Hi, Jennifer, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Can you share with us what is the proxy portal and how long Petaluma has been offering it? Yes. So proxy portal is a way to allow uh, portal access to either the patient's um, parent for minors um, or to caretakers for adults or any other individual that should have access to the patient portal. We started offering the proxy probably September, since September, October of 2018. Great. And what were really the drivers to turn on the proxy portal? So we've been actually really waiting for the proxy feature uh, from ECW because we were getting a lot of requests from uh, parents, especially, to be able to um, schedule their, uh, their appointments for their kids or maybe look at their charts or immunizations. So as soon as that was available, um, we actually activated it. So the beginning was um, giving access to parents because we were getting uh, a lot of requests for that. And once we had it um, <clears throat> activated, we uh, our other driver was the chattest interface, being able to um, get those questionnaires or those screeners sent to the patient and the patient's parents or respondent answering um, those chat is questionnaires ahead of time and being able to just import that data into ECW. That's great. And have you had um, specific feedback about the value added for your patients and their guardians? Yeah, they uh, love it, especially like for, for parents, they're especially ages zero to like maybe five and six because they need to schedule appointments constantly and they don't want to sit on the phone um, waiting to schedule an appointment. So they're able to schedule their well-child check at their most convenient time. You know, they might be in a rush when they come into the visit to schedule that appointment. But if they have that access, um, they can do it at any time. And the same thing for um, adult caregivers. Um, that's the other one where the caregiver may not have access to their schedule right away. And so they could do it um, at their leisure whenever they can schedule that. So those are the, the things that really kind of like it's the hook for them to be able to, to do it. That's great. Can you tell us a little bit like how it actually works and who has access to the information in the portal? Zero to age right before they turn 13, the parents get full access, meaning they can pretty much do anything that they would do with their own portal. At age 13, the system automatically switches it to a um, partial access so they don't get to see everything. So from ages 13 to up to 18, or uh, once they turn 18, 
it switches it to, um, it act activates them and it doesn't allow access. So it switches it now once they turn 18, it switches it to the actual patient being the owner of that portal account. For 18 years old, if you, there's some scenarios where the adult um, can't, doesn't have the ability um, to take care of their own portal. So the, there's a, uh, we have a consent that needs to be signed by the doctor um, indicating that yes, please allow access to this other person uh, with full access or par uh, partial access to manage this person's account. That's amazing. What type of safety measures has Petaluma put in place to ensure that no confidential services accidentally slip through the cracks beyond that, that partial access for the adolescents? So within the settings of the portal, we just made sure that what kind of access, the two different accesses that you could give to the prox, uh, for the proxy, there's complete and limited access. So just making sure to check off the proper things so that when somebody's given complete access, what things that person's allowed to see. And then when they have limited access, which ones to uncheck, which ones they, they, um, they can't see. And then also explained uh, the uh, policy to the parents and guardians specifically for like the ages 13 to 18 as to why it's being changed. And then just making sure that when they are activating them, are, they know to kind of look for triggers because sometimes we have, we've had scenarios where the, the parent is on the phone and if, if right, especially right now when a lot of the things that we're doing and activating those um, accounts is virtually or over the phone, um, we can hear the parents in the back saying, tell them to give us full access. So just making sure and explaining to the parent and to the child, you know, this is our policy. Even if your parent is requesting, you know, this is what we have that they can only have limited access. That's great. Can you share with us a little bit about what your implementation uh, plan looked like and how you built trust with your staff around the proxy portal product? I think we're still kind of like not struggling, but it's more of like helping the patients or the parents access. But we did a group trainings. We then went um, to each department and then also individual trainings. We also have training documents that guide them exactly how to set up and what each of the fields mean and what um, needs to be entered in to set up a proxy account. Um, and we're working on also videos um, so that they can reference it. There was really no need to build a trust because um, they really want the parents to do a lot of those scheduling appointments or send questions themselves to the, uh, to the uh, PCP um, rather than them taking um, a phone call. So there was not a lot. They were very receptive about saying, okay, let's get um, you know these patients on the proxy. And for the minors, I think that's where like the, the key is because of those, the chat is, they wanted the parents to answer those questions um, ahead of time instead of when we had actual physical visits, instead of taking extra time from the visit to have those parents answer the questionnaires um, on, right on the spot. So that was the, the big sort of trigger for the medical assistants to say, okay, we really need to get the parents um, access so that we can just import that data. 
That's great. Um, have you guys or are you guys tracking specific measures for the success of the rollout and of the proxy portal? Um, it's kind of hard. We're trying to build something that we could track. I mean, the only way is like the, the ECW gives you is being able to track how many patients have web been web enabled. And I think maybe hopefully right now with this chat is um, we're, we're going to be able to see more more data, but really there's really we don't have a way not that I know of that we are able to track. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Now I'd like to pivot over to Summer with the West County Health Centers. Welcome, Summer. Thank you. And uh, can you share with us really what the purpose of patient uh, education plays in delivering care? Ew, that's a big question. I know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's really essential for for all patient care. It uh, acts as a supplemental to help remind patients about what the doctor ref, uh, and the patient t spoke about, but also a way that a provider doesn't have to spend a ton of time explaining what a full disease is, that they can give them an additional resource so that they can actually look at it and either read it or view it on the video um, at, at, in the kind of patient layman's terms. These patient education vendors spend a lot of time trying to um, make this education material in a way that a patient can understand and not necessarily from the provider, you know, like going to school lingo. Right. So West County recently made the change in the patient education uh, vendor that you're using. What was the experience of the providers and patients before you made that change? Um, so we used um, a vendor called HealthWise before, and it worked. It's um, it's sufficient, but uh, with the lack of videos and the lack of being able to upload our own patient education content, it didn't get used as much as we wanted. Um, and uh, we uh, were running our meaningful use numbers and realized we were not publishing. We were still just printing. This was pre-COVID. Um, and so we were going to do a major push to get all the clinical staff and providers um, to actually publish to the patient portal. But since our numbers were so low and we were contemplating switching, we decided that um, now was the time to switch and then I can do the push to publish. That's great. How did you get the buy-in from your key stakeholders to make that decision to change? Uh, it was budget neutral. It was one. So it was the same Always cost. Important yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> since they weren't totally excited, some people really did not like the HealthWise education material. So um, seeing something different. Uh, but the main driver was the addition of videos. So they're quick, short, two to three minute uh, videos um, and the ability to upload our own patient content were the main uh, drivers that excited the rest of the staff. That's great. And what was your implementation plan and how long did it take for you to make that change and for it to take effect? Since it's kind of one of those things that gets done in the background, we the implementation plan was to turn it on, test it, and then uh, train staff. Um, and and it, turned, it turned on three days. It actually took a lot quicker than I realized that it was going to um, and everything switched. So then we quickly did weekly webinars with staff live and recorded for them to view and as well as offered them to do one on one trainings with us so that we can show them um, the how to publish education materials, how to find things, how to mark them as your favorite. And then also going over if you have education materials that you really like that you do not see on here or see a, a good equivalent 
equivalent to it, then please send that us our way and we'll upload it and mark it with a West County so it's easy to find. That's great. And what's been the feedback so far from providers and or patients? Um, I haven't had the time to research or ask patient questions, but we do intend to ask survey questions and get patient feedback. Um, but for providers, they love the addition of videos. They're pretty simple. There are some basic ones of just how to, the importance of how to wash your hands. You know, so there's just great kind of uh, easy uh, resources out there that they can assign to the patients. The other part that they like was what comes with Santovia is a canned um, on the patient portal. There's a well health and wellness so you can go there for anything without the provider or anybody from the clinic pushing this to the patient portal. They can uh, review resources for eating well, uh, exercising, meditation, sleeping well, the whole gamut. That's amazing. I think from, from my point of view that it's really important for, uh, for the providers to have faith in the, what they're pushing to the patient portal because then they're going to talk to their patients more about the patient portal and those patients will actually go to the patient portal and utilize it. And so it's a lovely cycle that happens in building trust of the product itself. We can print materials and mail it to them, but the videos they can only watch if they're uh, enabled for the patient portal. big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room.